Their whole history is a continuous interweaving of accidents. Dilber's uncle, Idrissa Khunzadeh, was a literature teacher, and Hussein Javid and Ahmed Javad were amongst his closest friends. Once, he arrived in Ganja at his brother's house, and saw his niece's complicated life with stepmother in her father's house. Without thinking twice, he took her away to Baku. Who knows, would Dilbar and Mushwik have met unless that happened? One day, Dilbar's uncle's wife took her to the graduation party. The event had not yet started. Visitors were crowded in the lobby, and suddenly, next to them, a young, handsome, talented fellow student, ready to declare about himself to the whole world, came up to her. Dilbar, let me introduce to you, Mikhail Mushvik. She heard of him previously. After all, he was one of her uncle's closest friends, and he used to talk about Mikhail. But this was their very first meeting. Was that destiny or accident? He sat behind her. Her dense, ambient, long hair and thick tresses would turn out to be darts of love. While unleashing her hair back, it touched his face. Poet's heart surrendered without any struggle. For each rendezvous, he brought her a gift. That was her wish. Please, I beg you, let's meet more often. Only with one condition. I will do everything, just tell me. For each hour rendezvous, compose a new poem. From Dilbera Khunzadeh's My Days with Mishwik Memoirs. He would devote to her his best strophes, would talk with her using verses, would send her letters with dedication, and she would inspire him to create delicate lyrics. He even told her once, Oh, Dilbar, you see, you infatuated me. I'm afraid they will tell Mushwik has become a lyricist. Remember, my sweetie, one day demise, love sparks reflected in my eyes. From instant your hair inspired me, thin veil of fog enveloped me, and no hills nor plains I could see. Mikhail Mushwik. He would seek every chance to meet her. He would wait for her and garment his feeling in verses. But she would make him anxiously wait until she uttered her precious yes. Nevertheless, again, under one condition. Her mother always wanted one thing, to get an education at all costs, to become independent. She, herself, wasn't happy. That's why she wished to protect her daughter. Because of that mother's wish, Dilbert delayed their wedding. However, the poet agreed with the case, too. He quite often addressed what we call now woman empowerment. The long engagement was embodied in lines, separations, lovesickness, and long-awaited meetings tested them. But love did not weaken, vice versa. It got strengthened from day to day. Their engagement, as well as their wedding, became the century's event. Unfortunately, we have no photos left. But if one only looked through the list of visitors to understand all its grandiosity, Hussein Javid, Abdullah Shaikh, Ahmed Javad, Bulbul, Samad Burghoun, Mir Jalal, Rasul Urza, and many others, this was not simply a wedding. It turned out to be a genuine holiday of beauty, love, music, and undoubtedly poetry. Their house was always full of visitors. These were whether great poets and writers 
or homeless children whom Mushrik often ushered home to feed, to dress, to provide them with shoes, and to help with orphanages settlement. Dilbert then graduated from the medical university, became an activist, and even the deputy of the Baku Soviet. Two years passed after the second joy lighted up their loving hearts as their son Yelchin was born. But, to their deep grief, he couldn't be in this world even for more than a year. Since the first days of our marriage, I have understood the depth of the craft work with the word, what it is a poet's life. Only then, I started to understand the value of painstaking effort put by Mushvig to achieve fluidity, melodiousness of a verse, sometimes toiling over each word, breaking his back on each line. He once said, The unhappiest moments of my life are the minutes spent without verses. Many married couples, foreseeing threats looming over them, filed for divorce in advance to guard at least their wife and children. There were cases when couples refused from each other, but Dilbar did not even think about doing anything similar. He was detained first, and then they came for her. Inquisitions proceeded one after another. Tortures rolled one after another. She did not renounce him and protected his name till the very end. Her tresses were cut off in prison, which was a poetic symbol of their love. Somehow, she was tortured more, comparing with all others. She was told to sign a paper confirming that he was a member of the Nationalists and other organizations. She responded, no. She was told, disavow him, admit him guilty. She responded, no. Ah, Mushvig, if only one could give me all those days back. Torture seriously affected her health. As her doctor admitted, a whole bunch of diseases was detected, such as myocardial infarction, kidneys, nervous system, diabetics. When they understood that they couldn't crack her, and as a result of tortures, she became out of head, she was transferred from the prison hospital to the psychiatric hospital. With the aim to remove her from the psychiatric hospital, the doctors, who recognized her, wrote a medical certificate as if she was healthy. She moved to her mother's house to Ganja City and was treated for a long time there. Initially, she spoke nothing, understood nothing, did not know who she was, who Mushvik was. Doctors recommended her to start a new life, to cure a family. You may realize she was quite a young woman when all this rushed on her fragile shoulders. No husband, no children, there was no sense to wake up in the morning. For the whole night, I didn't sleep a wing. Dilbar was out of her head. She was taken to the hospital, single bed ward. She was made injection and was treated with sedative yesterday. She slept till evening. During the night, everything repeated. She stamped in the cell and was telling something writhed in hysterics. Not all words were distinct. Let Mushvik come, call my father, tell my dad to take me from this place. I will die for my sweetheart. All people here think that I have gone mad. They continue telling me that I don't exist, 
Oh Allah, have mercy on me. She was talking tenderly of Mishri, as if he was with her in her cell. Then she repeatedly shouted and risked in hysterics. Her position crushed in pitiable courage we ever had. All in all, she was our Mishrik's wife. That was our Dilbar. From Dilbar's cellmate's diary, 27 February 1938. After all, she became a spouse of the enemy of the people, which meant only one thing. Troubles continued. Many people turned away from her. It was very hard. She wasn't offered any job. She was given the cold shoulder. But still, they were good people too. She married again. After obtaining of rehabilitation, she moved to Baku with her kids. For some period, they lived at Mushrik's relative's place. Dilbar was leaving because of Mushrik. She constantly spoke about him, wrote somewhere once recalling something. She copied her writing to paper. At Mushrik's 80th anniversary, she felt as if she must say goodbye to him. She wasn't supposed to give a speech, but again, as if some unknown force have lifted her and held while she was on the stage. After all these sufferings, she managed to find a nerve and an inspiration to restore his lyrics. The woman who passed through all circles of hell, and she even did not sometimes recognize herself, would write memoirs eventually. We owe this woman Mishrik's lyrics. At the time of Mishrik's detainment, a big folder called Dilbar was left on the table. He kept it in that folder. All his verses and every single of them was just gone. Throughout his life, he collected national songs, legends. All were taken away and nothing was given back to her. But she not only restored a part of his works, but started even writing herself. This was a miracle, a real miracle. However, she never called herself a poet. Light of my eyes, my sweetheart, how should I exist if thou art gone away? Daffodils, violets of thou garden are in bud. How should I gather them if thou art gone away? If gone away. Many women stated he had devoted his verses to them. Once, Dilbar made a joke on this, saying that he could devote a poem not simply to a woman he would meet, but also would see it in his dreams. And still, didn't her female heart felt something wrong? Her name was indicated in many verses. Many verses were set to music and became songs. She was very capable, studied well, could become a good doctor, a teacher. She could achieve a lot. But after the tragedy, she was already left with health issues. That is why her possibilities were extremely limited. Delbert always repeated to her kids, get an education. The only thing she was grateful to the Soviet Union for was the possibility of women to study and to work. It was hard for her to raise her kids. Previously, I often thought, why did I make it, started a family? But I'm so grateful that I have got you. She had told her daughter shortly before she passed away. 
she lived her whole life in fear, trying to get rid of the terrible shadows of the past, bit by bit restoring the legacy of her genius husband, raising children in difficult conditions. She was even destined to see her grandchildren, and the very first baby in the family was named after her, Elber. The story was written down from the words of Leila Khanum Akhunzada, Dilber Khanum's daughter, and the only love of the greatest of all, Mikhail Mishvik.